Good morning. Welcome to the Highlands. My name is Aaron. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. Thrilled that you're with us. I hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we are going to jump right into Christmas and kick off our Christmas series uh, this morning. And this year, uh, we're going to look at the beginning of the book of Matthew. And Matthew starts his story of Jesus, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, uh, by doing something unique, and that is writing this long list of names, which he is sharing. Here is the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus Christ. And we come across these genealogies throughout Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament. And uh, if you've spent time in the Bible and you come across one of these uh, genealogies, it's really easy to sort of kind of blow by it and just want to get into the good, the good part, the, the, the action. And yet there's something amazing about these, this genealogy in Matthew that it's not something that Matthew puts to, to kind of draw our attention somewhere else or uh, be boring. Uh, there's purpose behind putting this genealogy uh, right at uh, the beginning. And, you know, when you think about a story, uh, we have sayings that we use to start stories. Um, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. We know that's the beginning of a Star Wars story. Or Once Upon a Time is a classic beginning to uh, a fairy tale. And one of the things that the genealogy tells us is that this is not fiction. This is a true story. Because you don't put the family tree, you don't put all these names of, of people, if you don't want people to believe it, if you, know, you put yourself out there to, to put all these names together, and if, if it's not true, People can look it up and figure out, like, did this person really exist, and, and is, this, is this really, really true? And so what Matthew's doing, in essence, one of the things he's doing with this, uh, this genealogy right away is he's not saying once upon a time there was, you know, this story of this man who didn't exist. He's saying, here's, here's the truth of a man who existed. Here's his family. Here's his lineage. Here's his family tree. And guess what? Believe it. Look into it. It's true. And that's powerful. The Christmas story is not a fairy tale. It's a true story. And it's a story of hope. The second thing, and, and this shouts hope to us, the second thing about a genealogy that was true at this time uh, in history is a genealogy in a lot of ways was a resume. You, uh, you know, at the time, it was, uh, humanity, it was very, it, it, it was very, um, it was built around people groups, tribal sort of existence, clans, family, and if, if you wanted to prop yourself up, you wanted to make sure to, to associate yourself with the people in your family of high stature, it's like handing your resume over to someone who you hope will hire you, and you say, you know, look at all the accolades. Your lineage, your family tree, your genealogy, for better or worse, 
was either going to promote you or demote you. We know that actually King Herod eliminated the names of people in his genealogy that, that he knew would not promote him, but rather demote him. And yet Jesus does the exact opposite. Matthew does not leave out people of ill, you know, of, of Ill regard or, or uh, people that uh, were, you know, were sinners, immorally wrong, problematic people. Jesus sort of turns the world upside down uh, by, in this genealogy, putting people that probably shouldn't, shouldn't be there. But this whole idea of like resumes and different things and just the idea of a genealogy being a, uh, a, a resume, I was like, I just started to kind of Google different resumes and, and, and that sort of thing. And I came across like the worst resumes um, so, like, this is, like, the stuff that you don't want, you probably don't want to hand an employer. Just here's some, some examples um, that I came across. This one, the first one is classic. Under hobbies and interests, they put PlayStation 3, which they, they spelled PlayStation wrong, which wasn't a very good start. They're missing a T there. Um, but I love this. Seven touch football championships. Um, under achievements, and then ends with heaps of trophies and medals from heaps of different sports. The next one is, and I grew up in the 80s, so I, uh, the My Little Pony resume. This is a real resume, and actually, it's, it's actually somewhat impressive if you get into, like, this, this man has a pretty impressive resume. Why he decided to do a My Little Resume pony theme, I'm not sure, but he even starts at this little pony went to, and then we had to redact some of the stuff on here. But um, I don't think I could take someone seriously, like if they handed me the My Little Pony uh, resume. But who knows? This one's classic too. This is the what you call the copy paste resume, where then you forgot to fill it in. It's <laughs> under all the items. It says place your text here. Delete this text and heading if you don't need them. Obviously didn't look it over. Some people put a picture of themselves on resumes, and then others, and I've heard different things, like you should or you shouldn't. Either way, you probably shouldn't use that photo uh, if, if you're this guy. And I, I was thinking about it, like, I, I don't want to, like, be up here making fun of anybody, and like, I'm not trying to do that. But obviously, I feel like this guy just doing this on purpose, because um, look what he writes. He says, get ready to get blown away by Ricky Santangelo. Ricky has seen it all. Everything from being born in the middle of a tornado and given a 75% chance to live to running with the biggest rock stars of the 80s. Ricky Sanchangelo knows how to go big. He's a, we hired him. He's our new children's ministry director. <laughs> I'm kidding. And then this is the last one. This one is, is just... I like the confidence of this individual. Under two... <laughs> Uh, he has a heading that goes, I'm the best in the world at. Wow. A lot of different things. Reading comprehension, analytics, data mining. And then he goes, blogging skills, which he spells with a Z, which I find um, edgy. And then the last one is, he's the best in the world at chivalry. So, ladies, there you go. In 2009, it says he was almost tricked into marriage. Um, and then 2013, it says, 
will carry company to the promised land on my strong back. So, you know, very confident. But you can put anything you want on a resume, and uh, it may or may not be, be true. Uh, and you can take things off of a resume that you, that you know aren't helpful. And what's interesting about this genealogy of Jesus is he doesn't take things off of his genealogy, his, his, his resume, um, that a lot of other people would have. He has, uh, Matthew includes women in the genealogy, which you would, you know, today we would go that it's, it's sexist not to have women on there. But remember, this is a different time. It's a patriarchal society. Men are promoted. Women are demoted. And at the time, like, women um, weren't even considered reliable witnesses in a court of law. And so when you look throughout the story of Jesus and his interaction with women, it just makes it even more powerful how he welcomed women in, how he used uh, for his kingdom women. And we see women in, included in his genealogy. The other thing is you have, you have people uh, of different uh, ethnic groups. You have Gentiles included in this genealogy. Um, and you have people in this, this genealogy who are moral outsiders, sinners, with dark pasts, bleak pasts, like have made really, really poor choices in their life. And it's like, why would Jesus want to be connected with these people? With outsiders. There's a reason. There's purpose. And I want to read this genealogy to you. And this morning, and what we're going to do each week is look at some different people that are named in this this genealogy, but we're going to look at a woman named Rahab. So let me read. This is the beginning of Matthew. It says, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew starts his genealogy uh, at Abraham and works his way to Jesus. Luke, in writing his story of Jesus, he actually starts at Adam, but it says this, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother, it, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadabab. Aminadabab, the father of Nashton. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And that's who we're going to talk about this morning. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconi and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. We're almost there. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconi was the father of Shetal. Shetal, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Aboyud. Aboyud, the father of Elikim. Elikim, the father of 
I got to take a breath. Um, Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Elad, Elad, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathen, Mathen, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Christ. The first service clapped after I got done, because thank you. Sorry, I needed that affirmation. Here, here I'm going to spill a secret here. I probably shouldn't do this, but I did tell the first service this, so I'll tell you guys this too. Whenever I'm talking to uh, like people who might have to read really difficult names, whether they're just reading in front of the church or they're a young pastor. I said, here's what you got to do. You just give it a go. You just say it and say it confidently and they won't know the difference. (laughs) The truth is, I don't know how to pronounce most of these names. I just give it a go and try to say it confidently. And you probably go, oh yeah, that's how it's pronounced. I got no idea. I don't know, but it works. So now now that you know, I've spilled my secret, but um, this is intentional. This isn't, uh, you know, when you're trying to capture readers' attention in a, in a story, for those of you who are writers, you probably recognize the importance of the beginning. It's the same with television or, or movies. It's the same with, like, commercials. Like, our attention spans are pretty short. And so we must, it's the same with teaching sermons. You know, they say, like, like, some of you are not listening because I lost you, you know? Like, you got to capture people's attentions quickly if you want them to, to give it. And you just go, if Matthew's here to bore us or to turn us off, uh, you know, what's the point? Like, of, of, but if, 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 he's, if he's not, which I don't think he's trying to turn us off. I don't think he's trying to bore us. In fact, he he's, wants to give us... Uh, the most important story of all. That is the story of Jesus Christ. This genealogy is there uh, with, with a purpose. And, and the names in this, this genealogy, when you start to, to dig in, you recognize um, part of that purpose. And that is that Jesus' family tree is meant to give us hope. It's unlike any ancient genealogy we, we have because he includes people in this of ill reputation, of ill regard, of, of different ethnicities, um, different genders, and moral outsiders. And the reason, and the question is why? Because Jesus has come for you, he's come for me, he's come for all. And what happens is Jesus coming and Jesus being born and Jesus' life and Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection can take an outsider and make them an insider a person who doesn't belong to becoming a person who belongs. Rahab, um, what we know of her is she is a woman with a very poor reputation. She's a prostitute. 
Why would you put a prostitute in your genealogy? That, that doesn't build somebody up. I mean, all of us have people probably in our families that, you know, we, we, they're kind of the black sheep maybe. And you just go, oh man, I can't believe I'm related to that, that person. And uh, you, you might even go as far to wonder, like think, I don't know. It makes me feel worse, you know, that this person, because of whatever reason or however they've chosen to live, like that I'm connected to that. And I think that's, that's unfortunately a natural way and a, a sinful way that we can look at, at people. And you go, I mean, but is that how Jesus looks at us? Like if we're in his family and we've all fallen short and we've all messed up, we all are sinners, we all struggle, we all turn our back on him, we've all done dark things, we all have hidden sin. Like would Jesus really want to be uh, attributed with me? And here in this genealogy, the answer is yes. Rahab is an example. Three things, three lessons that I want to share with you this morning about Rahab in the lineage of Jesus. The first is this, and what's true for her is true for you, and it's true for me. And this is part of the hope of Christmas. The first is this, God saves those with a past. Rahab has had a past. A sad past. But no matter what our past may whisper to us or yell at us in our heads, no matter what our past holds, our past is one of the reasons Jesus is born. To save us from our broken pasts. We don't know a lot about what led Rahab into prostitution. I mean, maybe she came from a place of deep brokenness or childhood trauma, or abuse. And maybe, maybe this abuse and childhood trauma and all this stuff just sort of trapped her um, in, in, in this way of life and, and in shame that she felt like she could never get out. Or maybe she had been abandoned and in desperation just to sort of meet the needs of a growling stomach. Night after night, she had to make the choice. Do I do what I have to do to survive? Or do I go hungry, finding herself living a life that she never intended? What whispers, what voices were whispering to Rahab? What were they saying? You're condemned. You're worthless. You're dirty. There's far too many mistakes in your past for God to love you. Too much regret, too much regret, too much shame, and far too late for change. And I wonder how many of us here this morning have heard those whispers, maybe for a lot of our life. Our past is, is something we're ashamed of. Things in our past are, uh, the story of our past are things that we don't speak of. Maybe we're hiding 
things in our past because the thought of being honest or vulnerable to what, what is true is just too scary. Maybe your decisions, your behaviors, um, the way you've used your, your mouth uh, in the words you share, maybe the actions that you've displayed, maybe the way in which you've used your body, you know is wrong. And you go, there's no way that, that God could ever forgive me. There's no way that God could ever clean up and forgive what it is that I have done. And far too many of us um, not only listen to these voices in our head, we allow these voices to define who we are. We believe them. And when we believe those voices that say these things, that you're worthless, that you're no good, that you're beyond saving, that there is no hope, that you are not forgiven, it begins to shape not only how we see ourselves, but how we live. And it's a way, it's a way of life that is contrary to what Jesus came and was born and lived and died to give. And here is the good news of Christmas. There is no choice we ever make, no scars ever inflicted, no drink taken or words flung or body misused that can keep us from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing in your past. Rahab is an example of this. See, Rahab's story is is um, she's living in Jericho. She is a, uh, a prostitute doing what she has to to survive. And the Israelites are on the precipice of entering the promised land. Moses is, has died. Joshua is now leading the Israelites. And, and they are about to cross the Jordan and go into Jericho and enter this, this promise that as God has given them. And Joshua sends some spies into the city of Jericho to see what's going on and see what they're up against. And these spies go in and they're, they're, they're found out. And the leaders of the city are out to get them and want to, want to murder these, these spies. And it is uh, Rahab a street dweller, a prostitute, who takes these spies in and ultimately helps them uh, flee and is a hero in the story of the Israelites uh, being freed, uh, or rather going into the promised land, freeing the spies and, and then ultimately defeating um, the city and, and claiming what what God has promised the Israelites. And of all the different people that God could have used to be a part of this story, why not use somebody else? There had to have been someone who, who had lived a better life than Rahab. Why not use somebody else? But he didn't. He used Rahab a woman who had made poor choices, who had misused what God had given her. But by the saving grace of God, 
despite that, he uses her. And this is the message. Our past is never good enough to earn God's salvation. Neither is it shocking enough to keep us from it. So I don't know what your past may hold. But Christmas is the message to you. Those of you who have these voices saying you're worthless, you don't belong, you can't, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't love you or receive you or accept you or God would never forgive you for what you've done. The genealogy, the story of Christmas, the good news of Jesus Christ says that that's not true because God came through Jesus Christ to save us from our past. The second thing is this, God uses those with a past. You might, you might say amen to the forgiveness thing. And I believe that God can forgive and does forgive and will forgive any sin to a repentant person. I believe that. But to use some of these people that are forgiven and their pasts, I don't know. I don't know that I can get on board with that. I can get on board with the whole forgiveness piece, but would he really use a prostitute? Would he really use a sinner, an adulterer, a liar, a cheat? a person of greed. The amazing uh, message of, of, of Rahab is not only did God use her once, but when you look at Rahab's story, um, not only did, was she a part of kind of the battle to conquer uh, the promised land, but Rahab goes on and is married, and she has a son named Boaz. Boaz grows up um, to be an incredible man of God who one day uh, ends up rescuing. There's a story in the Bible of him rescuing a Moabite woman, or widow rather. And, um, and so God just didn't use Rahab this one time. He, ends, he, he continues to use her to raise this son to, to help shape this young man to be a man of character and faith and godliness. And so I don't, you know, I, I don't know what is a part of your past, the story of your, your past, but God's not done with you. God's not just going to forgive you and then, and then be done. God, you know, the, the amazing thing about our faith, Christianity, following Jesus, is that God can take what is evil and turn it into good, what is broken and, and turn it into something that is, that is whole, something that is, that is ugly uh, and, and turn it into something that's beautiful. And so you don't have to hide in, in shame from your past, but you can look and go, I'm forgiven from my past, but also God may want to use my past. God may want to use my story to come along someone else who's in it, who believes the things that I once believed, that I, you know, they're, they're, I could never be forgiven. I'm worthless. I don't have a place here, or I'm never going to get through this. Why would God do this? You know, all the, the trials and tribulations and the suffering and the sin that, that a person can experience, like, when you don't, when, when, when you feel alone, it just burdens you. 
But God's like, I don't want you to be alone in it. And, and he can use our past to come alongside somebody else and be like, I've been there before. I've messed up the same way. But there's hope. And here's the truth. God still loves you. And God can still use you. But when we continue to give in to the whispers that we don't belong, that we're, 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 uh, we're lost, we're um, disqualified, we end up doing what Jesus Christ, we end up giving in to, to uh, what Jesus Christ came to, to utterly defeat, and that is we give the enemy ground that Jesus already took. And it's, it's our job to claim the truth and claim the victory that Jesus Christ has already secured for us. Jesus' own lineage, his own family tree shows us just uh, how powerful God can use us despite our past. So God saves those with the past, God uses those with the past, and finally God redefines those with the past. So many of us are defined by our past. Like, it is our very identity and it's hard for us to break out of that identity because of the shame of, of, of our past. But what's amazing is a lot of times in Scripture when, when Rahab is mentioned, she almost always carries the name Rahab the harlot or Rahab the prostitute, as if that's who she is. It's like me, you know, Aaron the sinner. Or even like, you know, we tie, we tie titles to good things about somebody, like doctor. Like if, if someone is doctor so-and-so, you know, we see them differently. Or pastor Aaron, we might see them differently. For better or worse, these titles can define us. What's it like for someone like Rahab to be Rahab the prostitute? It's demeaning. It's painful. And yet Matthew does something amazing that I love. Matthew does not call her Rahab the prostitute. He calls her Rahab the mother of Boaz. Because why? God has redefined Rahab, has given her a new identity. From a fallen woman to a chosen woman. From a bad girl to a bride. From a mess to a mother. To someone who ended up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, Christmas is about Jesus coming and giving us a message that redefines you and me as well. Rahab's name in Jesus' family tree shines the hope of Christmas, that God saves those with the past, God uses those of us with the past, and God redefines those of us with a past. Of all the things that you could receive this Christmas, what if, maybe for the first time in your life, you receive that as true for you? It is true for you. As true as it is for me, as true as it is for Rahab, as true as it is, was for Billy Graham, it's true for you and it's true for me. As the band comes up, I want to share a story. The other night, I uh, was coming downstairs after putting the kids to bed, and um, the television was on, and it was on PBS, and uh, it was on Antique Roadshow, I think that's the name of the show, where... I just think it's junk, you know, that people are looking at. And, uh, like, I'm not into antiquing, but, um, you know, there's value uh, in some stuff, and other stuff's just junk. But this guy 
who's older, you know, he must have been in his 70s at least, maybe 80s. Um, he had a rug. And this was a rug that had been in, I think, in his family. I, I came in late, so I didn't hear the entire backstory. But yeah, it just looked like a rug, and, and it had been in his family a long time. And I'm sure that it had just been passed and used in different things. Probably, you know, I don't know if it was used at the front entrance or used to cover up a stain on the floor or used to wipe, who knows, wipe up something. But the man never didn't think it had any real intrinsic value besides it's just this rug. But at some point, he must have been clued in to that it had some value and I don't know the story, but he brings it to, you know, this curator or whoever the person was, the educated person on these items, and he goes, wow, like, this is rare. And it ended up being a, like, hand-woven Native American, very old rug that ended up, how much was it worth? Was it 500? It ended up being worth over $500,000. Here this man had lived most of his life with just this rug that belonged in his, that was just in his house and used in who knows how many different ways. And he had no idea what the value, like what he was sitting on. And I wonder how many of us, like when we look at ourselves, all we see is just sort of filth. Some rag. I'm just rags and filthy rags. And we live just in that, believing that that's our identity. And yet Christ comes to tell us something different. You are of infinite value to me. I don't see you as rags. I see you as this beautiful, hand-woven creation that was created in my image. And despite your past, like, I see you as something valuable, something beautiful. And I pray that this Christmas, our eyes are opened to the truth of who we are because of Jesus Christ. That maybe some of you, for the very first time in your life, feel valuable, worthy, and loved. That is the message of Jesus Christ. It is the message of Christmas. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would silence the voices that speak against our true identity as your sons and daughters. And I pray, God, that um, your kindness would lead us to repentance and, and, and trust that in repentance we belong, that we become a part of your family, that we are accepted, that we are loved. And God, not only that, you choose to use us, redefine us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to save us. And I just pray, Lord, that we would receive that truth today, maybe for the first time. Maybe, and maybe we believe it's for everybody else, but not for me. I'm outside of this truth. And we just silence that in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, maybe for some today, the first time in their, their life, that they believe that this is true for them. We pray it all.